0: Here's the thing that I've found. i found in my own life and I found talking to people. Most everyone I talk to in some way, shape, or form says, I want my life to matter. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I want to leave the world better because I was here. That may be in one life. It may be in a multitude of lives. But I want my life to have mattered. And for most people, that's beyond building wealth, being famous, having a lot of followers. They want to make an impact. God wants you to make an impact. You have one life, and God wants your one life to make an impact in one other life or in countless lives, but God wants your life to matter. As a matter of fact, I've never met anyone who would say, who has said to me, you know, I hope my life amounts to nothing. I'm I'm really hoping that the best I can do is leave this world worse than when I got here. I hope that when I'm gone, nobody remembers me or anything I did. I hope my life is meaningless. I've never heard anyone say that. We all want to make a difference, and God wants our one life to make an impact in at least one other life and possibly countless other lives. So what holds us back? What keeps us from having the impact that we desire and that God desires for us? Often, it is our own excuses, our own insecurities that hold us back. What if I fail? What if I'm not good enough? What if I I, I, I don't have what it takes? I don't have the time, the resources, the expertise to make a difference. I don't know where I fit and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So in this series, we're gonna begin to find how we can remove those excuses and those insecurities so we can step into and accomplish all that God has for us. Because, as I said, and as you're going to hear throughout this series, God wants your one life to make a difference, to matter. He created you for a purpose and for a reason. So this morning we're going to look at one of the um, holdups that most of us uh, probably express in some capacity and in whatever words we would use. But it's the whole idea of I just I don't know where I fit. I don't know what. I'm supposed to do. So there is a guy in the Bible by the name of Moses. You may have heard of him. He was um, considered the great deliverer of the people of Israel. They had been in bondage and captivity to Egypt for about 400 years, and uh, God uses Moses to lead the people out and bring them right to the edge of the promised land. Uh, Joshua eventually leads them into the promised land, but Moses has this great intimate personal relationship with God. In the Bible, he's referred to as a friend of God. It tells us that he spoke face-to-face to to God as a friend talks to a friend. But he didn't always have that. See, Moses was born an Israelite, but he was raised as an Egyptian. He looked at his uh, extended family, his people, the Israelites, and saw men and women in bondage, in captivity, but he was living in the lap of luxury. He was raised in royalty as a prince of Egypt and if uh, the the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. And if things happened to go a certain way, he had the potential of ascending to the throne of Egypt and being the next Pharaoh. So while his people are in bondage, he's eating bonbons. He's he's in the lap of luxury. His life is not uh, difficult by those standards. Beyond that, he looks at his people and he's got a heart. He wants to see them delivered. So one day he's walking down the road and he sees a a Jewish person being mistreated. Filled with anger and rage, he grabs the Egyptian person and kills him. He thinks maybe the Jews will will rally around me, but they don't. They look at him with mistrust. What, you killed that guy, what are you going to kill us next? And so now he's like, oh, people know what I've done. They're not going to respond to me. And now if Pharaoh finds out, Pharaoh might want to take me out. So he runs for his life. And, and for 40 years, he lives out in the wilderness. He is he, a shepherd. He cares for flocks. He works with his father-in-law. For 40 years, he says, I don't know where I fit. I'm not an Egyptian, but I'm rejected by the Israelites. And so he lives for 40 years in this kind of nowhere place. And then one day he's out and he sees a bush that's on fire, which isn't uncommon. It was a very dry, arid place. And sometimes uh, by heat from the sun, things would catch on fire. But what catches his attention isn't, there, there's a little you know, wildfire there. It's that the bush that's on fire isn't being consumed. So he sees this and goes, I gotta see what in the world's happening. It turns out that God is there. God speaks to Moses through this burning bush. And they have this exchange, and God says, I know you don't understand where you fit, but I've gifted you. You were raised the way you were raised. You went through the experiences you went through. I have put gifts inside of you because I have a call and a plan and a purpose for your life. And this is what it says in Exodus. God saying to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? They're not gonna listen to me. I don't fit there. I don't fit there anymore. I don't know if I ever fit there. I don't know where I belong and I can't do this. And we've all had those moments where we said, who am I? I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I don't know where I fit, God. I can't do this. So how do we begin to overcome those hangups those excuses, those insecurities that say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know where I fit. One of the things I've learned is this, part of where you fit is based on who and how you were created, how you were created, who you were created to be, God's um, working and designing in you as a unique individual. So part of where you fit is how you created. This is what it says in the book of Job. Your hands God, your hands shaped me and made me. What that's telling us, and it's not just about Job, it's about you, it's about me, it's about every every person who's ever lived. What it's saying is you are handmade by God, like a custom-made piece of pottery. Every person is custom-made. You're so unique. God made you and fashioned you and formed you with his own hands. And he has designed you to accomplish something, to fit somewhere. The question is, how do we find where we fit? So I'm gonna look at four things from the Bible that help you identify where you fit. The first is this. You fit where you're spiritually gifted. Now, when I say spiritual gifts, that's exactly what I mean. I'm not talking about natural talents. We're going to talk about that. I'm talking about spiritual gifts, something that is given to you beyond the natural. Now, some of you have very little understanding of spiritual gifts. You're confused by them. They they weird you out. Uh, You don't really even know what they're they're talking to. Some of you are very familiar with them. This is not going to be an in-depth teaching on spiritual gifts. I may do that type of teaching next year, but what I want to understand, I want you to understand is the importance of spiritual gifts because they are so very important. So when it comes to spiritual gifts, this is what happens, and you, I'm not going to go through all the verses, but biblically, you become a follower of Christ. You give your life to Jesus. You say, I'm going to give you my life, and I'm going to receive new life in Christ. At that moment, each believer in Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the sign, the seal of the covenant. Now, after that, there's a second work of grace, a second filling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this is a crude analogy, but you can think of it um, in, in an automobile, gas or electric, it doesn't matter, whatever it is that makes that engine run, that makes that car go. Right? You're filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the power to live for God, to uh, accomplish His plans and purposes in your life. But sometimes you need to refill the tank. So the Holy Spirit fills you again, fresh and new. And when He fills you, He gives you spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are the, one of the primary ways God expresses Himself through you and accomplishes His plans and purposes for your life through using spiritual gifts. So He, he, he fills you and He gives you a gift. You say, I don't have a spiritual gift. Everyone that's a follower of Jesus has at least one spiritual gift. I promise you, this is what it says in the Bible in 1 Corinthians. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us. You're in us. If you're a follower of Christ, you're in us. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a spiritual gift. We're given the spiritual gifts so we can help each other, so we can advance the cause of Christ and build up the local church. That's what gifts are meant for. The spiritual gifts are to help each other. It is a spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So you can pray and ask God for certain spiritual gifts, but ultimately they are handpicked by God for you. Just like you're handcrafted by God, he looks and says, I know exactly what you need because I know what I've designed you to accomplish. I know what I'm calling you to. I know the purpose for your life and you're going to need this gift. Now here's the thing, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a spiritual gift. If you're not a follower of Christ, if you're thinking about it, if you're praying about it, if you're saying I'm still trying to learn what it even means, what what the the means that Jesus came and died for me and I'm interested but I'm not sure, that's fine. Hold on to this because if you ever come to the point where you give your life to Christ, where you say I'm going to enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, what I can promise you is in that moment He'll give you a gift. He's got a gift and he's waiting to give it to you. But each of us has a spiritual gift. You have to know what they are. So this is a list of gifts that are recorded for us in the Bible. Here's the verses that go with them, but I'm just gonna read through them. So here are spiritual gifts, the gift of prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation, apostleship, help, administration, evangelism. Those are all gifts that God gives us because he knows what he's created us to do and to accomplish. So for me, my main spiritual gifts, everyone has at least one. Some people have more than one. None are more important than the other. They all are needed. But for me, my three main uh, spiritual gifts are teaching, leadership, and knowledge, words of knowledge. And they help me to minister, hopefully effectively teach the word of God in some way, shape, or form. Um, They help me in leading the church and they help me when I'm doing counseling and praying for people. There are times I'll pray for someone and and God will give me a word of knowledge and I'll share it with them. And they're like, how did you know that? Well, God, not me. I don't know. I mean, this, this is the way my spirit is wired because of God. Like today during this first service, There's somebody and and I I just one didn't feel it was the right time, but God gave me a word for them. And he said, now wait, but when there's gonna be a time you share that with that person and it's gonna be an encouragement. So I say, okay, I file it away and I'll wait. But those things help me in the role that God's called me to. So you need to know what your spiritual gifts are so you can accomplish what God has for you. Now. If you don't know what they are, you can take a spiritual gifts test. We've actually got one. It's real easy. It takes about 10 minutes. You can go to the website, hickoryridge.online/slash gifts. You can scan the QR code. Take you about 10 minutes. Don't do it now. Um, <laughs> take you about 10 minutes, and it will identify some of your gifts. You may see the results and say, I didn't know that was my spiritual gift. Well, then talk to pastors and leaders in your life and mature men and women who will help you understand what that means and begin to walk in those gifts. But they are given to you outside of any natural talent. You, can, you have to learn to walk in them. You have to grow in them. But they're given to you as a gift from God. Now, I do want to say when it comes to spiritual gifts, you identify a gift. And let's just say, for example, your gift identifies one of them as leadership. And then you say there's a need to serve in, um, I don't know, let's use the, the place that everyone should be serving, children's ministry. And so you say, I've got the gift of leadership. I'm not serving kids. Okay, that is the wrong heart. Because you have a gift of leadership doesn't mean you shouldn't be willing to serve anywhere. You should serve anywhere and then look for opportunities to serve in the area of your gifting. So be willing, be willing, be willing, be willing to serve in any area, but seek to serve in the area of your gifting. Sometimes by being willing to serve in an area that's outside of your gifting, God will then open a door that leads you to a greater opportunity. But if you say, nope, That's beneath me, that's not my gift. But there's a need. Meet the need and let God move and open the doors that he wants to open. So if you wanna know where you fit, first of all, look for your spiritual gifts. The second is this, you fit where you are naturally talented. Unlike spiritual gifts, these aren't given to you at a a supernatural moment in life. But they are God-given. You're typically born with these you, you might have to practice them, hone them, refine them, but you're typically born with them. It's just a natural gift, talent, and ability. You, you've met people. They're just a natural athlete. I mean, they're just, they're just athletic, someone who's naturally uh, gifted with instruments. They pick up an instrument and start playing it. I'm like, I wish. Uh, and, and, it, and it sounds good. I can pick up an instrument and make noise. Um, I sound like the kids downstairs. Uh Whatever your natural gift, somebody who's natural. Listen, I've met people; they're just naturally gifted at computer coding. I mean, you know, you watch The Matrix; you go, "What is all that?" And they, "Oh yeah, that's easy." There's all kind of natural people who are naturals in the in the kitchen. They can just pick up a knife and start chopping and dicing and slicing and making an amazing meal. It just comes natural to them. But those those are God given. They're just given to us when he's forming us, when he's shaping us. This is what it says in 1 Chronicles. You have many workers, stonecutters, masons, carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, craftsmen beyond number. There are those natural skills, natural talents, and God has given them to you. Every person, every person, every person. See, spiritual gifts are for every believer. Every person. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, has natural gifts, talents, and abilities. And if you're thinking, not me, I don't, I'm not good at anything, think harder because you have them, I promise you do. So I can't think of any. Talk to people who know you, love you, who know you well. I guarantee you they'll begin to point out some things that you're just naturally good at. You just may not think of it as something that's um, of high value. I want to be the natural athlete. I want to be the natural leader. But there are people who are just natural with numbers. They can budget and calculate. And There are people who are just uh, natural uh, nurturers. They just naturally care and are concerned about people. They're natural entrepreneurs. They're just great at starting things. They've got all these amazing ideas. I want to start this and that and this. And and I'm going, I can't even start the coffee machine. Uh, yeah. There are people who are natural uh, just it's so many, uh, you name it. You can. I mean, I can just go down a list. Natural uh, salesman, salesperson. Right? They they can persuade you. They can convince you. They can they can uh, begin to give you all the the reasons why you should buy this. And you go, that's so great. I can't wait to buy this. And you buy it. And then ten minutes later, you go, why did I buy this again? I, I don't understand. They're just natural. Uh, there are people who are natural organizers. They can plan. They can strategize. They can organize things. There are people who are natural with their hands at building and farming, and and, uh, they're natural artistic people. They can design. They're innovative. They're creative. They're just all over the place. So you can't tell me you don't have a natural talent and ability. You might just not think of it as very important, but you have it. Now, here's the thing that's amazing to me when it comes to spiritual gifts and natural abilities or talents. God often spiritually gifts us in areas that will be reinforced or, uh, or lift up or work hand in glove with our natural talents. So, for example, you're naturally um, a, a communicator, you're just a gifted communicator. Maybe when the spiritual gift comes, it's to be a teacher or a prophet or a pastor. Maybe you're naturally gifted in the arts, music or, or drama or uh, graphic design or whatever. It's just some artistic ability and God's spiritual gift is in the realm of um, uh, worship and those kind of things that help people connect with God. Maybe you're a natural coach or counselor and God gives you spiritual gift of words of wisdom and words of knowledge and insight and discernment. Okay, because God says, I know what I've created you for. I know how I've designed you. I know the natural gifts, talents, and abilities I gave you. And now I'm gonna spiritually empower you to walk in those things. So when you're asking, where do I fit? Look at your spiritual gifts. Look at your natural talents. And the third thing is this. You fit where, you deep, where you're deeply passionate. Listen, we all know what passion is. Passion are those things that stir us at the core of who we are, that, that motivate us to get involved. It's our soapbox topics, those things that, man, it just moves your heart, and you, you are so, I mean, it just, you, it keeps you up at night in the best way because you're just thinking about it. I want to make a difference. This thing is so very, very important to me. It's not just something that you're interested in. It's something that moves you, but it could be anything. It could be uh, technology. It could be uh, the, the situations in people's lives. It could be sports. There's a lot of things you can be passionate about. This is what it says in the Psalms. This is what David was passionate about. The one thing, the thing that I am most passionate about, the one thing that keeps me awake at night The thing that I think about the most, that I seek the most, that I desire the most, that I am so deeply passionate about, David said, is this, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. But what's your passion? What is that thing that you say, I am, oh my gosh, this thing, I, I, I can't let it go. There's a difference between being interested in something, caring about something, and being passionate about something. I can talk to people all the time. I've, I've, met, I've met very few people who say I don't think kids matter. Most people would say kids are important. In a generic sense, kids are important. They matter. Passion says I'm going to be involved with kids with special needs. Passion says I'm going to foster kids and open my home to children that are homeless. Passion says I'm going to become a CASA worker, a court-appointed special advocate to help kids that don't have anyone. I mean, again, most people I've met would say education's important. Education matters. Passion says I'm going to be a tutor. Passion says I'm going to teach English as a second language to immigrants and uh, refugees. Passion says I'm going to create content to teach the Bible to people online or in Sunday school or in kids' ministry or whatever venue you can find. Passion moves you to action. Most people I know like music. You might not like every form of music. You might not like every genre of music. But I've I've never, I have never met someone who says, I hate every type of music. Just hate it. I never hear music. I'll be happy. If that's you, um, I don't think you're going to like hickory (laughs) because we (laughs) like music. But uh, no, we all like music. We have different tastes. We all like music. But being passionate about music says, I'm going to learn an instrument. I'm going to learn to write music. I'm going to learn to train my vocals. I am going to uh, invest in young musicians. I'm going to help lead people into worship. There's a huge difference between being interested in something, thinking something's important, and being passionate about it. So what are your passion areas? Are you passionate about homelessness? Are you passionate about helping people uh, in the opioid crisis? Are you passionate about uh, helping women get out of human trafficking and the porn industry? Are you passionate about helping those who have been abused? Are you passionate about um, helping fathers step up to be the men that God has called them to be as, as fathers and leaders in their homes? Are you passionate about reaching people for Christ? Are you passionate about equipping people to live out their full potential of what God has called them to do, who he's called them to be? What are those things that you're passionate about? Because when you begin to find your spiritual gifts, your natural talents, and your areas of passion, all of a sudden, it begins to define where you fit. But there's a fourth thing that's so very important, and it's this. You fit where your personality shines. See, God supernaturally gifts us with spiritual gifts. God, when he creates us, gives us natural gifts and talents. Our passions grow up out of the environment that we, we live in, the community, the world, the moment in history. Our personality is both God-given and environmentally shaped. But God gives us a unique personality. This is what it says in the Psalms. It says, for you, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That phrase, my inmost being, that refers to your personality, the, the, the part of you that makes you, you that makes you unique from anybody else. Not just that you have a unique fingerprint. It's not just that your DNA is unique. There's something deeper than that that is so unique to you. It's your personhood. And God formed that in you because he said, if you have a gift, if you have talents, if you have passion, and if you have a personality, I can use all those things to use you to make a huge impact in the world you live. But you have to know what your personality is. And by the way, no personality type is better than another. They're all equally valid. They're all, in one sense, completely unique. But personalities also fall under broader categories that are somewhat similar. So there's a lot of ways that you can find out where your personality type is. If you don't know, there's a lot of tests. Myers-Briggs is one. It's probably one of the most well-known ones. There's a disc profile. There's strength finders. There's Enneagram, um, which is kind of popular right now. There's one by Gary Smalley. You can find out what kind of animal you are, a lion or an otter and other such things. Uh, But they all basically reveal categories, where your personality falls under, your personality is unique to you, but there are general ways in which you can begin to understand your personality. So I've done personality tests multiple times throughout my life, um, And so I want to share part of the result of my personality test is from the disk profile. So here it is. Justin is extremely task-oriented. I could stop right there, and my family would all say, "That's Dad." He can appear to care more about completing tasks than the feelings of people. He is an effective problem solver and desires tangible results. He sticks to his commitments and expects others to do the same. He is competitive by nature and will use facts to help him win. Exactly right. Losing's not an option. Quality is extremely important to him. He feels if a job is not done right, it should not be done at all. Accuracy, precision, and high standards matter in his work and his personal life, therefore he often feels he's the only one that can do a job right. Now, why is that helpful for me to know? Because of what God has called me to do. I love people, I care about people, I wanna help people, I wanna serve people, but I can't view people as tasks. I have to view people as individuals. So it helps me to be intentional with how I interact with them. So I make time to meet with the staff and build into them so it's not simply just, let's get this done, let's get this done, let's get this done. I meet with the leadership team of the church one-on-one for lunch once a month. We just we go out, we have coffee, lunch, whatever the setting might be, and try not to. We talk about church stuff, but it's not a here's all the stuff that we need to do. It's how are you doing as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother? How are you doing in, in your work? How are you doing in life? We have a lot of conversations that don't revolve around church. Some of them do, Um, but I want want to build in to people. I have to be intentional of carving out time to connect and communicate and take walks and sit by the uh, fire pit with my family and my wife because I can just get so focused in on what I need to do and what I want to accomplish that I miss out on those things. Because if I'm not intentional and I don't know what my personality is and what those weaknesses are, I can end up damaging the very thing that matters most to me. So what you need to do is you need to identify those areas. What are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your passions? And what's your personality? Because all of us are made to accomplish something. God has a perfect fit for you. But what I've learned is this, where you fit best is based on who you are. Where you fit best is based on who you are. Your gifts and your talents tell you what you're good at. Your passion tells you what matters to you. And your personality tells you how I should best go about this. So what you need to do is look for those places where all four of those overlap, where they link together. So let me give you an example. Let's say you take a a spiritual gifts test and you find out you have the heart of an evangelist. You wanna reach people who are far from Christ, who don't know Jesus. Your talent is that you're a teacher. You're you're good at teaching. Your your, your passion is children. You're passionate about helping children who are uh, just in disadvantaged situations. And your personality is that you're a self-starter. So you say, okay, I've got those four things. What do I do with that? I know I'm going to start a mobile vacation Bible school. And instead of trying to get other Christians to come here, I'm going to go to where Christians aren't, which is out there. And so we're going to target some under-resourced communities within the, the local area and we're going to bring Vacation Bible School to them. We're going to bring the gospel of Christ. We're going to bring fun and games. But ultimately, they're going to understand that Jesus loves them. He wants to be in a relationship with them and that he cares so very much about them. And you start that thing and listen, nothing stops you. You're so passionate. You're so driven. You're nearly unstoppable. But you have to know all four. because Let's just say one of those is different. You're an evangelist, you're a teacher, you're passionate about children, but your personality isn't a self-starter. You're not a self-starter. You're somebody who would rather be behind the scenes. And you try and do that, even if it's it's a success, you're gonna look at it as a failure because you're gonna be exhausted from trying to do something that isn't in your personality. So if that's not your personality, then you say, I've got this thing. I need to link myself up with someone who is a self-starter. And together, let's make this thing happen but you have to look for where all four of those things overlap. And when you do, you will find where you fit because God has designed you to fit somewhere perfectly, to meet a need, to make a difference, that your one life will make an impact in one other life or maybe countless lives. But it starts by setting aside the excuses, laying down the insecurities and embracing who it is that God created you to be. There's an old Danish proverb that says, who you are is God's gift to you. What you do with who you are is your gift to God. The question is, what are you doing with that gift? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and I'm asking that you would begin to stir in each of us, in our hearts. Show us, reveal to us where it is that we're meant to fit. Because all of us were designed to accomplish something we have gifts, we have talents, we have passions, we have personalities. God, I'm asking that you'd show us where those things come together in a way that we can be used by you to make an impact for your kingdom. As you continue to pray, I just want to say for some of you, the best place for all of us really, but For some of you, you're wondering, I don't know where I fit. For all of us, the best place that we fit, the first place that we fit is in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Some of you are wondering, I don't know if I fit anywhere. Where you fit is in God's family, as his daughter, as his son. And when you give up your life, when you surrender your life, when you say, I don't want to live for myself anymore. God, I want to live for you. He welcomes you into his family. And he says, you fit right here. You're my daughter. You're my son. And guess what? That means Jesus is your big brother. And you, you can be part of this family. All you need to do, it's so simple, people won't believe it. But it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be perfect. All you have to do is accept it and believe it. It is the greatest gift ever offered. So here's what I'm going to ask. Maybe you this morning here in person are joining us online. Say, I want to fit in God's family. I want to belong in God's family. All you need to do is ask. All you need to do is accept it. So if that's you this morning, just raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. If you're joining us online, click the button that says, I want to surrender my life. And now as all of us have been praying about our specific gifts, talents, passions and personality i'm going to ask you if you would just stop praying that and would you pray this together with me just repeat after me everyone here heavenly father i come to you now and i ask you to forgive me forgive me for my sins my failures my mistakes how i've hurt myself how i've hurt others and how i've hurt you i give you my life and I receive new life in Christ. The old has gone, and the new has come. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Give me gifts of the Holy Spirit, that I can live for you, that I can tell others of you, and I can accomplish your plans for my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer, and you meant it, you're part of God's family. When we finish the service, please come forward. Let someone help you take your next steps in following Christ. If you prayed that prayer online, click the connect with us button and somebody will follow up with you because you're not meant to walk this journey alone. But now I'm gonna ask if all of you would stand. We're gonna sing a few last songs. And as we do, let's celebrate the God who loves us. Let's celebrate the God who created us. Let's begin to ask him, God, show me where I fit. And in a little bit, there's gonna be prayer teams up here. If you'd like prayer, they'll be here to pray with you and for you. But for this first song, this first two songs, actually, they're not going to be prayer teams here. But if you'd like to just come and spend some time kneeling at the altar, talking to God, then feel free to come up and say, God, show me, show me, show me who you made me. Show me how you created me because I want to accomplish everything that you have for me. Let's worship God together.